What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I was 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book. And send it to the wall. There it is. Buddy Hale alone at the top of the Kings record book. Oh, I like this. The Fox scores five in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, you don't like that? You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Ivanowski on here as we usually do. What's going on, Rich? How you doing, man? Um, I'm feeling disappointed right now in the moment. I'll tell you that because um, I just had a big bowl of Fruit Loops. I think for the first time in a really long time since I was a kid, probably. And I thought they were really bad. Interesting. I don't have too much of of an opinion on Fruit Loops, really. Um. Yeah, I, I guess I remember liking them when I was a little younger, but yeah, it's not something that sounds too good to me right now. I was a, uh, I was an O's guy, if you're familiar with cereal. Tell me more. It's, uh, what what even is inside of it? It's kind of these, uh, what are these uh, chunks of nut almost in a way and almost inside of a sweetened Cheerio. Um, so that, that was... That was my cereal growing up, and then of course I could go the ultra sweet Lucky Charms, but I was never really a Fruit Loops. So I have Lucky Charms in a chamber to try next. I, I haven't had them for a really long time. I've been getting really into cereal recently. Um, I think that a lot of people have been doing like extra shopping right with the mm-hmm. quarantine, and we've been getting really deep into cereal. My wife is like a massive cereal fan. Um, and she goes through a couple boxes a week. Um, like, normally, like, I would say, like, Cheerios, like even regular Cheerios, Honey, honey Nut Cheerios, de- like, definitely everyone likes yeah. Honey Nut Cheerios. Um, I'm not, like, a huge fan of those. But then both of our favorite cereal is Fruity Pebbles. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And then and, – and I went to get Fruity Pebbles most recently – and they were out. So I think it's a lot of people's favorite cereal. Because there was pretty much every other cereal there. So then you went for the other colorful Fruit Loops. Yeah. I went yeah. for the Fruit Loops, and it was a farce. It was a yeah. it was shambolic. Well, the texture is a big difference there, too. And it's I feel like difference. it makes a difference. Yeah, I'm it, a, uh, yeah. my main one is Honey Bunches of Oats. Like, today, my favorite cereal is 100% Honey Bunches of Oats. Interesting. I gotta look some of these up. I cause I've, I didn't really do cereal for like the majority of my life after being a kid. Even as a kid, I don't think I really ate cereal that much. Like as a little kid, for sure. 
But I feel like the last, like, Fruit Loops I had were the little boxes, you know, you get, like, for sure. pack. For sure. That's the last time I've had cereal, too. I do not eat cereal very often. I just love eggs, so that's usually my breakfast over cereal. I'm with you. I, I've been doing a lot of eggs, and I found, like, some hash brown patties that are frozen. And you just kind of yeah. microwave that or throw that in the skillet next to next to the eggs. That goes down really smooth, a little bit of hot sauce. Yeah, I'm um, a big breakfast guy, too. This is getting me right now. Okay, this is good because you're not really a big food guy in general. I'm not, but breakfast is the one for me, for sure. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Um <laughs> And, I mean, like, I think, okay, just going back to cereal real quick, I haven't done Frosted Flakes recently, but I know I used to love Frosted Flakes. It's a similar texture to uh, the, what were we talking about, Fruity Pebbles, right? In a way. They're glazed, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of like the, I mean, they're the same shape in a way, and you're getting a bunch of these thin, almost sheets in a way. And the, the pebbles are even smaller, though. So you really get, mm-hmm. like, that water gets, like, not the water, the milk. What am I talking about? It's <laughs> <laughs> really not going on over there. <laughs> the milk gets, like, really saturated in the juice. And, like, this Fruit Loops, like, barely even, like, saturated the milk. It frustrated me. Um, I'm going to try Lucky Charms next. I'll let you guys know on the next episode how that went. And then, of course, Cinnamon Toast Crunch does bang. Yeah, it's a good one. So the important question here, just to like a sanity check real quick, is you put the cereal in before the milk, right? I do. Okay. Like, do you know anyone that really puts the milk first? I, I, I question if these people actually exist. Yeah, I know this is like a cultural phenomenon. Right, but, but like, no. does anyone really put the milk first? That seems insane to me. I agree. Because you, you need to get – because that's kind of the best scoop is like – the top layer that isn't soaked but has been kind of lightly brushed with milk. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, you're totally right. And you get, like, you get down just far enough to kind of fill the bottom of your spoon with the milk. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. You have been eating cereal recently. I've been – oh, yeah. it's surprisingly healthy. Like, I, it's not. But, like, it's surprisingly <laughs> not – it's surprisingly not disastrous. Like, right. a big bowl of Fruity Pebbles – is like 160 calories, and it's gluten-free. Check it out, Fruity Pebbles, best cereal yeah. ever. There you go. And, okay, so my random question, I came into this with you, is you played Mario Kart, obviously, I would hope, right? Only 64. Okay, so, like, who is your go-to character when you're playing Mario Kart? I need that, like, flat-out acceleration. Uh, I go Toad. Toad, okay. Okay, I was always a Luigi guy. Maybe because Mario was always taken, but, uh, yeah, no, Luigi was always the go-to for me. He's kind of, like, in the middle, right, as far as, um, like, the heavier guys have, like, the strength or whatever, they can knock someone out. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, you have, like, Brow- Bowser yeah, taking people but, out. But then, like, Toad, like, will get will get messed up, but he can, go, he can like, kind of evade and go really right. fast. Yeah, like, yeah, Luigi Mario and Mario. Luigi, yeah, just the kings of everything. They just do a little bit of everything. I was going to say, kind of like the Harrison Barnes I would Mario Kart. <laughs> yes, I'm glad we're on the same page here. Hell yeah. There we go. That's the uh, transition of, of, the, uh, of the year here so far. And, yeah, we're going into our positional pre-hiatus report cards. We've got small forwards today. And there's a couple guys on the Kings roster that, you know, you could argue what position they are, if they are a forward, if they're a guard. But for our small forwards in regards that we're going to cover today, we mentioned Harrison Barnes. 
And then we got Ken Bazemore here and Justin James as well. Um, and I think we should just start with, obviously, what we just transitioned into there. We got Harrison Barnes. Um, I, I can't get over this. Luigi is so, like, a prototypical <laughs> three, like, three and D small forward. That's absolutely his position. He Sorry. Is, Luigi just needs to grow out the facial hair. Whereas Mario almost feels like a two to me, but... Is this a little more of, like, the star of the show? But, but no, yeah. Anyway, sure. sorry. <laughs> sorry, let's move on. No, yeah, so Mario is Bogdanovich here. Right, he can play the three in a pinch. Yeah. So, for Barnes, um, I mean, we have been big advocates of his and defending the, the contract that he has and everything here. And just to go through um, his, his basic stats here, 14.7 points on the air, 4.8 rebounds, 2.4 assists on 45% from the field, 38% from deep, and 80% from three. And uh, what's the first couple things here that maybe stand out to you in regards to Barnes? So the first thing that stands out to me just in general with this small forward position, um, I'll just note that the basketball reference page has no small forwards on the Kings roster. Which is interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, again and again, like you know, that, that doesn't really matter, and it, you know, like basketball reference positions is not going to really tell you all that much. But interesting that there's, you know, three point guards, and I think they've listed seven small, uh, seven shooting guards, five power forwards, two centers. Yeah. Um, but I would argue that Barnes definitely works best as a small forward, uh, but then he is that kind of small ball four, which is the ideal version of a small forward anyway. Definitely. Um, and I would say, like, the first thing that jumps out to me about him is the size. He's kind of that prototypical small forward size, and he's the kind of guy that the Kings needed for years and – really kind of the only guy that they still have. I think Justin James, if he gets a little bit heavier and gets a little bit stronger, grows into his frame a little more, could get there. But listed at 6'8", 225, that's like kind of the dream size for modern wings. And these modern wings of that size are probably the most valuable position in the league I would think I would definitely put it up there because you look at these top guys you're LeBron Kawhi Giannis I mean you need someone that's able to at least check them and maybe slow them down make things difficult for them a bit and Harrison Barnes supplies that to the Kings and definitely a big part of his value is just adding something that Sacramento did not have in that clear three and yeah basketball reference in regards to the guys that have played small forward for the Kings this year, um, 89% of Trevor's Ariza's minutes came at the three. And then, funnily enough, 55% of Bogey's minutes came at the three. And aside from that, nobody played more than 50% of their minutes at the three. Um, so definitely sharing duties here. But Barnes has the best fit. And also, Harrison Barnes led the team in minutes per game with 34.9. Um, he played every single game so far this year. And, I, I mean, he just fundamentally does everything really well. He doesn't turn the ball over very well, and he also doesn't foul. Um, I don't, I mean, a kind of question I came into this for you, came into this with for you, was is there anything that you really can identify that Harrison Barnes is clearly below average at? That's a really good question. 
Um, and nothing comes to mind immediately. Um, he's surprisingly strong, even in post-ups. Obviously, yeah. uh, you love his, the way that he shoots spot-ups. Just looking at his game on synergy, everything's pretty much over 50th percentile. Um, ISO was down a little bit this year, mm-hmm. uh, but we know that he kind of has that as an option, even if the numbers didn't didn't uh, bear that out this season. Right. Um, I don't know. No, There's I'm, I mean, you're still a loader game, I guess, but – it, I mean that's not too much of a knock. Like his movement threes, I would I would say might be below average. But even then, like what is average in regards to these wings? He's probably hovering around there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then in regards to his his shooting this year, I mean his spot up, he's always been good. Last year, I believe he was above forty percent from three. This year, sitting at thirty eight percent. And in regards to shooting off the dribble of guys with at least 50 possessions of off-dribble pull-up jumpers uh, by for Synergy, his, he's fifth in the entire NBA in effective field goal percentage. We have Kyle Korver, Eric Gordon, Malik Beasley, George Hill, and then Harrison Barnes. That's really impressive. Um, maybe would you look towards passing as mate, like he might be a little yeah. bit below average there for his position? Probably, yeah. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit below average. I don't yeah. think it's, like, it, it's not terrible. Like, I think earlier in the year, I don't remember exactly what the question is, but pretty much we had mentioned that I have confidence in running a post-up out of Harrison Barnes as, like, a bailout on offense option because I also trust him to make the right play out of it if someone were to come help. So right. I, I don't think, yeah, his passing's not – it's probably not at average. Yeah, that's that's something you could nitpick here. Um, but again, it's close to it. Yeah, it's close enough. And then what's interesting is, like, his assist numbers have never been good, but I feel like that is situational where he just wasn't ever asked to really do that with Dallas. Um, and then, like, this year, he's a, you can't really knock it because it's a career-high 2.4 assists per game. And that's totally, like, that's totally fine for a guy that's not – you're not using as a primary initiator and that like like it feels like when he has to make a pass he can do it yeah yeah and then uh also to point out that defense again him not fouling i don't think he makes any highlight plays on defense either he's just kind of a fundamental defender but he's one of only three uh four players no i'm sorry three players with at least 30 minutes per game and less than 1.5 fouls per game and that's Gallinari because he just doesn't play much defense, uh, Jimmy Butler, and Harrison Barnes. And, uh, I mean, just to be able to be an impact player defensively and not be giving up free free buckets by sending people to the line and smart enough to not be putting your hands in there at wrong opportunities and things like that, I think it speaks to the intelligence of Barnes shining on the defensive end as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I On the flip side... What is he most elite at? His best number, like best singular skill. Um, I mean, if we're saying versatility is kind of kind of doesn't count here. Um, hmm. It, I mean, is it just being capable at that size? That's probably the most valuable to the Kings. Yeah. Um, 
it's his capable defense at that size at the three four. That's interesting. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't think tough. of that because yeah, I mean everything's so close. Like I said, there's no weaknesses, but there's also no major strengths. Yeah. There, it, it's um, probably probably shooting. I mean, like I mentioned that off the dribble jumpers, and I think he he's nice from three as well. Yeah, you probably do have to just go to shooting because you could say he shot like thirty six and a half percent from three. You would still probably call him a balanced player. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess he's like he's kind of like slightly above average in everything, and then. You can take the shooting up a notch from there. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, yeah, even 38% is uh, is definitely respectable there. And I guess uh, I think getting to the line also and driving to the paint I think is something that's really valuable for the Kings um, since they don't have, uh, outside of Fox and Bazemore, which we'll get to here, who was acquired later, they didn't have very many guys that were great at getting uh, attacking the paint and getting past their guy. Um, and really collapsing the defense and making a play from there. And I think Barnes has been valuable in that. Um, but, yeah, I think that's most of uh, numbers and compliments that I got for Barnes here. Just really, what is the line? A uh, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, pretty much? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I'll just throw out a couple highs uh, in his – Synergy profile, um, offensively, this is kind of interesting. 89th percentile as a pick-and-roll ball handler. That surprised me a little bit as, yeah. a, as a high. And then on defense, 94th percentile defending post-ups. Yeah, that, that one's definitely impressive. I think he has the strength for that. Um, but the pick-and-roll one definitely surprised me when I saw that earlier today myself, too. Um, and, and again, I mean, yeah, I thought that really spoke to his versatility because that was an area where I was like, you know, I, I don't think that he necessarily excels here. Maybe I would identify it as a below average point, but uh, the numbers spoke a little bit differently there. And and thinking back on it, I, I mean, there's there's occasions where you see that happen, and I think more so in Walton's offense, you know, times Ariza was running a pick and roll and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Barnes, again, really able to do everything here. Um, and the number in regards to what could a player option be for Barnes next year, what is the highest number it could be that you would still accept it? Um, it gets interesting here. I mean, next season, Harrison Barnes will be under contract for the Sacramento Kings for $22 million. Um, I mean, safe to say that you would take that? I would take that. Um my kind of first blush was to think around $20 million, but I think that's honestly selling him short. Um, and we're talking one year. Right, right. Um, you've been digging into the free agent class for the upcoming, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say summer anymore because I don't know if it's going to happen during the summer, but um, as far as the upcoming free agent class, who are like the best small forwards even out there that are realistically going to be available. Yeah, I mean, we're talking Marcus Morris, um, Gallinari, I, I think is comparable to Barnes there where, I mean, he's kind of more so a four. Um, if you want to throw Malik Beasley and Bogdanovich in there, 
Um, I, I mean, there's not all the most appealing ones, really. Um, like Ingram's not going to be available. I, yeah, he's just going to get a max, in my opinion. Um, Joe Harris is Joe Harris and like Tim Hardaway Jr. are interesting. Um, I'm, I am very interested in Joe Harris. Twos. But, yeah, like, that's so – I don't those, know. Yeah, Joe Harris, Zach Lowe said at least double the money he's making right now this offseason, which is roughly $16 million. So we're looking at a group of guys that's pretty much like – like the Gallinari's of the world who are more fours, in my opinion. Yeah. The Bogdanovich's of the world that are more twos. And then – some guys that are probably not as good as Barnes, and we'll how do you feel about him compared to Marcus Morris? Um, I think that Morris could could be on the same level, maybe almost, but I feel like he doesn't. He it would be such a big difference in the personality type For and sure. the play style that I would rather have Barnes for sure, and then yeah, at that point, like. Maybe you're looking at one or two guys that could possibly fill Barnes' shoes, maybe. And at that point, I'm just going to want to lock him down. So I probably would be comfortable at $25 million. Yeah, I put 25 to like even $28 million. I would have a hard time really saying no because of the replaceability here. I, I don't know who else that you're, that you're sliding in here. You really need this shooting. And then even when you do talk about Bazemore, um, I mean, yeah, not having that shooting, if you're talking about Bagley and Holmes being on the roster, uh, Fox has somewhat of his concerns there. I mean, the shooting is really valuable here. You're right. I don't know who I would value over this. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I went 25 to 28, I guess, is my maximum here. Um, and in general, I mean, the contract that they have him on now, I feel good about. Uh, $22 million next year, and it keeps declining, so it's $20 million in 20. 21, 22, and then 18 million in the final year after that. I mean, I think they did a better job than they get credit for with this Barnes contract. Completely agree. I feel very good about that contract, and uh, it kind of surprises me how much shit it gets. Yeah, definitely. It's it's not a terrible contract like the rest of the league uh, tends to make it out to be sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'm good with going with. I can – how do you feel? Is is 28 too high if it was – how do you feel about that? Um, I, I wouldn't fight you at all. Um, pushing it, though. Pushing it. Pushing yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. Like, at a certain point, would you just kind of roll the dice and – it's tough because you'd kind of be giving up on the season to be like, we're just going to put, you know, Ron Robinson here. <laughs> Yeah, draft picks and, like, bargain guys there. But if it's really just a one-year deal, yeah, I I wouldn't have a problem with it. Yeah, so right around that, yeah, again, 25 to 28 range. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. If you're missing the NFL, it's no problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. 
all open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. So Bazemore is interesting here. Um, obviously kind of a glue guy, and you're looking at a 21-game sample where I think it's safe to say he overperformed in combination with also just finding a good fit because the the ways that he excels, I think Sacramento really could use a little more initiation. I think that both him and Trevor Ariza went to places where they were asking each player to do what the opposite's strength really was, where a little bit more initiation uh, Sacramento wanted from Trevor Ariza, and they get that in Baysmore. He's able to get some defensive rebounds that Sacramento could could use a little bit of help with. He attacks the rim successfully, um, and then he also just brought an energy to the second unit and the team in general that kind of was lacking a little bit here, um, but obviously has his question marks as well, and you wonder how much do you buy into a 21-game sample? Yeah. um, First, let me ask about Ariza. It's interesting because I feel like there's going to be some guys that almost don't make it back from this this, uh, suspension of play where he's already, you know, he's going to be probably 35 by the time play starts up again mm-hmm. and he was already having such a low year like and then you maybe <clears throat> I don't know I don't want to question too much his commitment or whatever but I did have questions about the effort level and honestly he was pretty good in Portland where you know he was shooting 40% from three yeah he picked up a lot of his play in general but I do wonder if like hey the guy's 35 like is he really gonna work as hard as he possibly has to to come back hot whenever this crazy situation is over. And, you know, and like a team like Portland that's been kind of scattered to the wind and like a lot of injuries and like how do all the pieces fit together? Maybe, uh, I don't know. Um, But that trade does feel good looking back on it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, no, going to Baysmore, it is hard to know. Um, His numbers in Portland were truly horrific and it was weird like weirdly horrific um but yeah i mean it's hard to i don't know it's hard to deny that he he does all those things the opposite of a reason like he really plays with energy he really gives effort i don't really know what to make of it yeah i mean the weaknesses to point out is that his shooting percentage is just kind of unrealistic in regards to what happened in sack i mean 38.6 percent it's not ridiculous and I I mean I guess there's been times in his career where he's hovered near there uh, but average is the 35 percent over his career from three so I I don't think it stays at that Sacramento rate again it was a pretty low sample Um, his passing while he is initiating I mean he has a high turnover percentage and low assist percentage Um, you don't get the best decision making from him necessarily with the ball in his hands but Sacramento does still need that uh, playmaking from him. And then his finishing at the rim, while he does get there, he's, he only finishes 50% of the time for cleaning the glass, uh, 13th percentile, something he's always not been great at. Um, and but, but again, I mean, there is definitely a value to what Bazemore brought. And 
does when you when you're thinking of his number here, which maybe I'm jumping a little too far ahead, does Shumpert come to mind at all? Like, do you almost re- did you do you feel like you undervalued Shumpert in regards to the way that he helped the culture and the team play? Because it seemed like a different feel once he was gone. Yeah, I did undervalue Shumpert. Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's hard. I really think that he was so overrated as a player. Yeah. Um, but truly underrated as everything else as a teammate. Um, so I just, if there was a way where Shumpert would have taken, you know, 10 minutes a game and took his shot selection to a much better place, then he would have been an amazing, amazing player. Like, that's the perfect player to have on the bench. Um, so, yeah, and then connecting that with Baysmore, what's the – how are you bridging that? Just, like, you know, the value that there is in being the guy that is able to rally the troops and get your team playing with a little bit of fire, you know. I, I mean, I think that, you know, you see Harry Giles do it, and sometimes you'll see, you'll see Holmes do it as well, but just it never hurts to have another one out there. And Holmes wasn't available for a while. Giles had rough stretches, so – yeah, I mean, it's just it, it was mainly pointing towards how do you quantify the value of the the change of energy that he supplies just in a contagious manner, pretty much. Yeah, no, it's a good point. Let's let's hold off on the number, like the dollar amount, for a second. But because I noticed this, and this really surprised me, because I would have told you that he was a good defender, active defender. Um, but then I was looking at the synergy profile, and then this is just his overall defense. The entire, every defensive possession, he was ninth percentile. Um, wow. He gave up, yeah, all, all the shots. Sacramento taken, minutes? In Sacramento minutes, yeah. So, wow. yes, yeah, 17th percentile against uh, in spot-up possessions, 7th percentile as the defender of the ball handler of pick-and-roll. Um, I mean, really low. I mean, yeah, ninth percentile overall as a defender. That is really weird. Um, I wonder why that is. I mean, like, cleaning the glass has, in regards to his plus-minus, the defense is phenomenally better with Bazemore out there. You know, minus 7.6 points per possession, uh, points per 100 possessions for the opposing team, 6.3 effective field goal percentage worse with plus-3 turnover percentage. Um yeah, that that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Does it say, I, I mean, specifically which areas he's terrible in, or is it just all of them, really? I mean, it's really all of them. But, yeah, specifically the pick-and-roll ball handler defense was really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, spot-ups, I think that can be – I don't know. There's, there's just more variation in spot-ups than other yeah. ty- uh, types of shots where, like, you know, if you're a really good shooter, you're going to hit those shots, and I don't know. It seems like that that's more of like, is it falling or not falling? But I also wonder, with that in mind and compared to what you're saying about the plus-minus, if maybe, maybe Bazemore is more of a better help defender, better team defender. Like, he makes yeah. guys around him better, but he is very small for his – 
position, he was playing a lot of shooting. Uh, sorry, small forward. Even though I think he's more of a shooting guard, truly. Yeah. Um, six foot four. Guys can just see over the top of him, and guys will shoot over the top of him. Even though he's got a, a nice wingspan, it's like there are limitations there. Yeah, and uh, I think that also he kind of is a highlight play in um, defender in regards to, you know, he's going to get a lot of steals, but then at the same time, that means that there's going to be times where he's out of position because he's going for that. He also fouls uh, pretty heavily, 5.1 foul percentage in the 11th percentile there because he is so aggressive. Um, and, and I think some of the plus minus differences is that there's also just a little bit of intangibles that you're not going to be able to see with just hustle plays and tipping balls in the right direction and just causing guys to get a little bit uncomfortable getting under their skin. Um, so I, I think that he definitely is still having a positive impact out there defensively, but we might be overstating it. I wonder if you're able to look up uh, Iman Shumpert's plus minus with the team uh, <clears throat> as a king because I wonder if it's the same sort of thing where – his his like personal numbers looked pretty bad, mm-hmm. but maybe he made the team around him better. The team was actually a good amount worse defensively with Shumpert out there. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I still think, obviously, there's value here. And then um, do you have anything else you want to throw out here before I kind of have some comparable salaries I feel like there is in the league to this type of player? I'll say that I think – Kent Bazemore presents a danger for overpaying because yeah. of yeah all the stuff we discussed. I think that you could fall into that trap pretty easily. Yeah, so Bazemore's 30 years old, and I, I just looked for some glue guys that are coming off the bench and kind of what their salaries are. Ersan Ilyasova, uh, when this was a year and a half ago now, 31 years old, got three years, $21 million, $7 million a year. Um, I, I think that's definitely comparable and something I'd consider. You look at Royce O'Neal, just got a nice payment of four years, $36 million, $9 million a year, and O'Neal is really probably a starter, and I definitely would prefer O'Neal over Bazemore here, also 26 years old compared to the 30 of Bazemore. And then another one here that's too high for Bazemore, but this is also one of the better deals in the league, um, Marcus Smart, a super six-man um, was 25 years old, signed a four-year, 52 million, and that's 12 million a year. Um, so I, I mean, I kind of settled with about this Ersan Ilyasova money because you're also talking about one year of Bazemore. If you were talking longer, I definitely would be hesitant to offer this much. But I, I said eight million. It's way too high. Really? For yeah. It's a guy that's like, I mean, possibly closing games sometimes for you, though. Yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, we're going to have to f- talk this out because I was honestly, I was considering that minimum. Wow, okay. Hmm. Yeah. I just think a lot of what he does is replaceable. I, it's the it's the effort and the energy and the locker room stuff that you've talked about. That's where I think his value lies. I don't necessarily think that I want to pay for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, okay, so like, could how much of the same do you get in a Ronda Hollis Jefferson, for example, right? Or like a Mar- I, Marvin Williams? 
It's weird because you're going with a lot of like power forwards, like the Ilyasova one as well. Yeah. Um, do you have that list of free? I can pull up a list of. I do have a, a doc here that I've made. Uh, throw out some like shooting guard, small forward types. A uh, Wesley Matthews, um, Evan Fournier is probably a little too good here. Bryn Forbes, uh, Langston Galloway, Reggie Bullock. Um, yeah, like I would take a lot of those guys just as quickly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Like a Caldwell Pope, I guess I probably would take Caldwell Pope. Yeah, I think like... And like you could get those guys for $8 million. Hmm. I wouldn't go any higher than five, honestly. I think that I think there's too much replaceable, and he's he's not like old old. He's not like Trevor Ariza old, but I you're kind of even. He's getting to the age where you're even expecting some fall off within a calendar year. Right. Uh, and I know he's like super bouncy, but like he's had injury stuff too. I don't I don't know that. I don't know that – so, like, say you just get a guy – okay, so there's the, the option you have of any roster spot of using it on minimum players, uh, like rotating guys from the G League, um, second-round draft picks, you know, just like an open roster spot for incoming trade pieces because that's what he was. He was kind of a throw-in. I would almost rather have that turning, like that turnstile of, of players, kind of like super cheap players come in and try to find one that fits. And hopefully you get a younger guy. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're talking about Shumpert, who literally was just on the team last year and doing similar things, that there definitely is a replaceability there. Well, how about that? I mean, would you rather have Bazemore at $8 million or Shumpert on a minimum deal? Hmm. This is interesting because also when you're talking there, you got me thinking. You know, I would rather probably the Bazemore minutes be going to Justin James, um, who we're going right. to get to here. We almost, I think we honestly may have done this one out of order in terms of the players that I actually like and how I would play them. Hmm. Okay. You know, you you got me on uh, five million on Bazemore here, and I see why you're saying that maybe it'd even be a little lower. But I I do think that you kind of have to just take into account how much better it felt like the team has performed since Bazemore has been out there and a different feel to it. And maybe that that isn't fully credited to Bazemore and a little bit to Len there as well. Um, I know we definitely have pointed out a few times that Sacramento had somewhat of an easy schedule and got lucky with some injuries. So maybe it was more so that and other guys getting healthy, Fox kind of carrying it here, and I'm overvaluing that. Um, yeah, I, I could I can do five million on this with you. Okay, <clears throat> I'll do five million. I think that you you weren't too far off with the eight million one, but when we were talking like Marcus Smart as something comparable, yeah, it's definitely I was like yeah, uh, no, that was just me where it's like okay, there's no way you can get up to twelve million, and Marcus Smart's making twelve million. I think this goes back to that. Uh, Jeez, and now I've forgotten this player's name because he's out of the league. Is it Jonathan Simmons? Who yes. yeah, San Antonio said, like, you don't pay that guy, you just find the next guy. Right, that's exactly and who it is. I would say that Bazemore is, like, one step above that, but not two steps. Like, 
he's kind of like I I I even wanted to bring up Costa Kufas as part of this. It's like where we talked about last year that we would pay him like the minimum to return, and he was like on he was on the very lowest edge of that, where like we might pay him the minimum to return. Yeah. Whereas like I'd be thrilled to pay base for the minimum to return, but. I don't. I don't think it's like that far off. And I wonder, again, like acknowledging the stoppage, acknowledging that all the momentum is going to be killed from that run, acknowledging that these guys are going to be a little bit older, and we're talking specifically about next season anyway. You know, I don't know that it's going to pick back up. There's going to be changes, and I don't know that like that same group you can come come back and expect it to be that much of the same feeling. So, yeah, I think $5 million is fine, but I think a lot of players will be gotten for $5 million. Like, a lot of really decent quality players, a lot of younger guys with more upside could be gotten for that that room MLE, that range. Right? I mean, Rashawn Holmes was got for $5 million, right? So, you just yeah. take, I'd rather take another stab like that, probably. Right, right, yeah, If if you could – pull a Chris Dunn somehow that's just like elite defender or something like that that's young. I, I, I totally get you. Yeah, um, there definitely is replaceability here. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go five million there, and you definitely have talked me into even considering lower than that. Um, but you want to kind of lead the discussion here for Justin James because you seem uh, to have a higher number than I do on him. Okay, yeah. Um if your number, I don't want to know your number, but yeah, we'll get into it. Um, so this is just one thing that I want to throw out there because it is the kind of opposite of what I was talking about with Bazemore. So obviously the smaller sample size, well, not that much smaller though because Bazemore was only with the Kings for 21 games, but um, his entire defense, every defensive possession per synergy, 91th percentile, 91st percentile. And this is Justin James, right? This is Justin James. Wow. Yeah, and but also this is a super small sample. Like <laughs> we're talking about pretty yeah. much uh, that Brooklyn game, right? Where uh, I think both teams had a crazy amount of players injured. Well, I mean, he, I think he played. I mean, he played twenty plus minutes like three times. He, you know, he he yeah. played a handful of meaningful games. Right. Um. And no, you're right. It's not like. Let me just double check here. So yeah, like. Baysmore played twice as many possessions as Justin James for the Kings this year. Yeah, but but it's um, not like a it's not like minuscule compared to Baysmore. Yeah, um, and you know Justin James has definitely that that same energy to him. I think you could make the argument that Justin James could become that Baysmore energy guy. Yes. Um, you, you see him. I mean, there was the piece from Jason Jones on how Justin James just won't shut up pretty much, but he's always hyping up his teammates. You always see him on the bench. Um, just getting excited for his guys. And like you mentioned, he has the size uh, being 6'7". And also, I, I mean, one of the main strengths for me here is his athleticism. I mean, we saw him, you know, try to get a couple posters off in his limited minutes this year, and he's not timid with that stuff. And uh, and then I think there is some promise with his with his shot off the dribble as well. Um just throw out there that uh, I've heard you compare it to Kevin Durant. Um, <laughs> well, that's more of the form and the 
not not that <laughs> it's gonna. It, it's more like the aesthetic of it. Like he's just a lanky ass skinny dude who like. Right. His the point of his of his release is very high, but it doesn't look as good. It doesn't go in. I don't. I actually am pretty low on him as a shooter. And I'm glad you brought up the Bazemore thing because I think in essence they're the same player type, which is that yeah. energy defender. Uh, but I think that say you take Bazemore, you add in size, you take out shooting, and then you and you consider the fact that he's six years younger. Right. I think that's a pretty good analogy. Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, take out shooting as if, I mean, Bazemore's jump shot in itself is not the most reliable thing. Um, so, yeah, I think you're definitely talking comparable players here. Um, and, obviously, you're going to err on the side of the younger guy. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard to kind of project where we see him fitting here. But I, I know the minutes that we both saw, we, we saw some promise there. And I, I think he could find himself being a rotational NBA player. Yeah, um, the offense was rough. So, yeah, I I think that if his shot just kind of fell a little bit more, I'd be more – I would feel better about this take, but my take is that I would – I'm going to put him at $5 million as well, right next to Baysmore. Um, and if I had to choose one, I would choose Justin James. Yeah. Okay. So I had Justin James at five million as well. Um, I just uh, assumed you had him a little higher, but I forget that you had said that you'd even consider Baysmore there at the uh, at the minimum, understandably. And same as you, I actually now uh, looking back, I think it was foolish of me to put Baysmore over Justin James. Um, I guess I was just thinking who would give you more value in the next season, and I think that's Bazemore, but, yeah, also, but also just considering long-term, um, Justin James, I think, is the clear answer there. And $5 million is fine for me because, again, uh, kind of what we had said with Bazemore, I, I, I mean, this is the, what was it, 40th pick in the draft, I believe? Yeah, 40th pick in the last draft. Um, Sacramento has three second-round picks. Or, I'm sorry, they got rid of one of them, I believe. Um they got two second-round picks. I mean, uh, I'm not going to necessarily pay over $5 million for a guy that could be replaced with one of those second-round picks. Wait, did they get rid of one of them? I think um, that they did in the um, – what was the – is it the Deadman move? I think they got rid of that really bad. I think it was Miami or Houston second. Maybe I'm just um, crazy here. Uh, they have their three. Oh, no, they do have all of them. I don't know what I'm talking about. My bad. Third. 35, 43, and 53 if it, if it stays. Yeah. Okay, I don't know where I pulled that out of my ass, I guess. I, um, I, think, they just, I think they were just down the line. The yeah. Picks. Got it. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I think $5 million is fine for Justin James. And, but, again, I mean, we've said it a lot that it, I, I want to see him get – the opportunities so that we kind of know what we have here with James. Um, and I would prefer him getting that opportunity over Bazemore, even though I think Bazemore would give you a little bit more value right now. Yeah, um, I think you're definitely right about that. Like, if I had to choose one, you know, to play in the playoffs or whatever, to play even the full next year, it would definitely be Bazemore. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, and then, you know, it's also worth noting that James isn't like, that young. 
Um, he's 23 already, so you know he's not crazy young right. for a rookie, but that's still seven years younger, seven and a half years younger than than Baysmore, so it's it's significant. Um, and his contract is it guaranteed? It is guaranteed for next year, correct? Yeah, it's, yeah, it is guaranteed next year, and then non-guaranteed the year after. Guaranteed for 1.5 million next year. Okay, so there's nothing to worry about there. At least where Baysmore actually is. He will be a free agent. Right. And, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I mentioned those second-round picks. Even pick number 12 could, I, I think, the most ideal position we would want is probably, aside from maybe a ideal Bagley pairing, is is a wing here as well. Justin James could easy, easily be replaced like that and then not see any minutes for him. And I'd honestly be okay with that if the Kings ended up with a small forward and then James sure. is your third three. Yeah. He's not forward. stopping me from picking a small forward at pick 12, that's for sure. <laughs> Totally fine, yeah. Um, yeah, so we got $5 million for Justin James, $5 million for Kent Bazemore, and then we said 25 to 28 for, I guess for the high side would be 28 for uh, Harrison Barnes. I probably would come down to 25 there just personally. Um, That's fine by me. Yeah, I, I First of all, I like round numbers, and secondly, <laughs> I... I do want, like, you could, like, if you could take, like, if if you were saying Harrison Barnes is $28 million or, like, Wes Matthews on a minimum, I think there's, like, at least a discussion to be had. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do kind of see where you're coming from there. Um, yeah, I, I just kind of was it's probably a little more than 25 but it's definitely less than $30. Um, i am fine with settling for 25 there. Um, but but speaks to Barnes' value specifically because, again, he's the only guy that really can effectively slow down these elite threes that are just littered throughout the Western Conference. Um, and there, you're going to find him in the East as well, obviously. Um, and, again, just does everything well. Bazemore and James, not going to be too upset. They're not here in a couple of years. Wouldn't be the most surprising thing either. Yeah, and then I don't think we did – Grades, but do you want to just throw oh. out real quick, um, like letter grades for each of these guys? Yeah, uh, maybe let's go reverse here. Justin James, um, like I guess I I got more than I expected, maybe a B. Yeah, um, I think it'd be easy to say incomplete with the number of minutes, but at the same time, it's that's not really fair for a 40th pick. Like, yeah, yeah he, he did more than he than we expected. Be a B works for me. Mm-hmm. For Baysmore. Probably got to go with an A minus, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We we weren't doing pluses or minuses uh, okay. before, so that made this one a little difficult for me because I agree with you. If we were, I'd say A minus, but like, okay, I'll, I'll give him probably got to go A. Yeah. I think yeah, we talked yeah. about how like Holmes was a better A than like Bielita. Right. Right. But um, so like I put him in that category as right. well, and it is relative to expectations. So yeah, I'll go with an A there. What about Barnes? Barnes is uh, interesting. I mean, I th- he's giving you what you expected, really, but that is great. Mm-hmm. So a a B, but even like that feels like I'm cheating him out of an A right here. We could be Elisa an A, like I give him a B. Yeah, this is I a B plus. This is closer to what I expected than what the Elisa did, probably. Yeah, that's right. I agree with that. Almost unfair to give him the same grade as Rashawn Holmes. 
Yeah. Considering the difference in expectations. For sure. So I'll probably – I think a B is fine. If he had shot 41% from three, I'll, I would knock that up to an A. Yeah. Yeah, but he regressed a little bit this year. Um, still great percentage sitting at 38. Um, yeah, I, I, that's fine with me. I'll go a, a B for Barnes, A for Bazemore, and a B for James. That works. All right. Do we got anything else here, man? I think that's uh, that's it for small forwards here. That's it, man. Um, I'll uh, I'll taste some more cereals this week. <laughs> I have I gotta do Lucky Charms. Here's my last plug. I got the last box of Fruity Pebbles with marshmallows last time, which is what made me want to get try the the Lucky Charms. But it's basically just Fruity Pebbles. But with like Lucky Charms marshmallows in it, and that that shit absolutely hits. It sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, I, you're gonna have to. You're making me get back on my cereal game here. I've not been eating that for a while. It's not as bad as you think it is for you. I really think so. Yeah, I'll get back on it. And you know what? Last thing I'll throw in here is: Have you seen that the uh, 2K is doing this kind of players tournament where guys are playing each other? Yeah. And uh, Harrison Barnes went up against Trey Young. And let me tell you, Harrison Barnes got his ass beat by like 40, 50 points. That is like really unsurprising to me. Yeah, right? Yeah, no, exactly. If, if I had to pick in that one, I was 100% going Trey Young there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally fair. But um, yeah, um, I think that's that's all I got here, man. All right, man. Have a good couple of days. Happy Easter, everybody. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe wow. we'll record before then. We don't probably don't want to record on Easter Sunday, so but mm-hmm. around then. We'll talk to you all around then. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.